Hey, 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 and welcome to Insurance Town. I'm the Mayor Heath Sharon and the host of this podcast. Guys, uh, this episode, we're coming to you on August 30th. We're releasing a little bit early uh, because I want to have some relevancy uh, surrounding Hurricane Ida as I set up last night in all seriousness, watching with my wife and kids the Weather Channel and, and taking in, absorbing all of that and praying for those people that are affected by that. It just got me to thinking about natural disasters and the claims process and the things that we go through as not just insurance agencies, not just insurance professionals, but as human beings. And it got me thinking about two of my good friends, the merman, Ariel Rivera, and the flood guru and Chris Green. And I want to put together an episode, just put out some good content around disaster relief, disaster preparedness, and what we go through uh, as an industry and I can't wait for you to hear this episode. It's going to be chocked full of some good info as we, you know, we deal with natural disasters and we deal with the claims process. And we deal with some of the things that we deal with. Before we get into that, I want to talk to you because this great content wouldn't be possible without some amazing sponsors of mine on the show. Let's get into Smart Choice Agents Program. Uh, if you're looking for a market out there, if you're looking for access to you know, a, a particular market or technology or whatnot, Smart Choice is there to help their agents uh, to do better, uh, to be better, whether it's, you know, lowering uh, the premium volumes or it's uh, giving you higher commissions, they're here to help you out. If there's one market or 30 markets that you might need in your, your given agency, give them a shout. Go to smartchoiceagents.com and check it out. Uh, find your local rep, reach out to them. They love you. Uh, they're a great program. I love working with them. They're a great sponsor of mine. Also, if you're losing hours every day from the day-to-day -day task of running an agency, uh, though the administrative work is essential, it can also you know, prevent you from focusing on sales and core business. You know, My friends over at CoverDesk, virtual assistants can help with these tasks, saving you significant time. Your clients get what they need. Your virtual hour, their, <laughs> their virtual professionals are fully dedicated to you, supporting your business, your clients, and your growth. Go to CoverDesk.com. Check it out. Tell them the mayor sent you. And, and lastly, just to, to bring it up quickly and to let you know, because they're very important to me as well, Canopy Connect, your one-click solution to get those deck pages you need to quote your prospects. Uh, go to usecanopy.com. Uh, go to the backslash Heath. Uh, check out the video that I've uploaded. Uh, check out the discounts that you get from being a citizen of my show, of my town that we've created. Uh, Insurance uh, Town gives you those discounts. Let them all know that I sent you. Uh, then uh, you'll be glad that you did. Uh, on to today's show, uh, as you saw probably in the intro uh, or in the title, we've got uh, all things Hurricane Ida here. We've got the Flood Guru. We've got the Merman. Uh, it's going to be a great show. Uh, sit back, relax, and without further ado, my friends Chris Green and Ariel Rivera. What is going on, boys? What's up, Heath? How you doing, man? It is so good. Man, I am you. good. For those listening, if you didn't see it in the, in the title of the episode, I got two of my good friends, Chris Green and Ariel Rivera, the merman in the house with me. 
Um, and I always say it wrong. It's either Ariel or Ariel. I never know. I'm from country, from Arkansas. But, either way, um, either way. <laughs> you know, after uh, I was telling them before we hit record, I probably watched eight or nine hours of the Weather Channel, like most of you over the weekend. You know, uh, watching Ida roll in and destroy, you know, half of, you know, Louisiana, Mississippi. We got it all the way over to Alabama and Florida. And I wanted to get these two guys on. If you guys don't know, go back and listen to their episodes with me. But they got a lot of uh, expertise in this area of disaster relief, disaster preparedness, the whole nine. Um, Chris, you going to say hi at all? I mean, Ariel did, but you didn't say nothing. Well, you know, I was just trying to get a word in there, and I didn't want to interrupt anybody. <laughs> well, well, since you, you didn't get a chance earlier, I'll start with you. Do you want to kind of give your just two, three-minute, four-minute, how you kind of got into and, you know, got involved in this industry, where your expertise lies real quick? Save some room for the both of us afterwards. But, yeah, go ahead and, and kick us off for just a minute, and then we'll kick it over to Ariel. As you said, my name is Chris Green. If you don't already know, I am the flood insurance guru. I've been in the flood insurance industry now probably about 12 to 15 years. Uh, the day Hurricane Katrina hit was actually the day I started my master's in emergency management. My goal was to become an emergency manager, possibly even go work on weapons of mass destruction overseas. But the day Hurricane Katrina hit, as I said, I started my master's and everything changed for me that day. I spent two years studying Hurricane Katrina, all the mitigation disasters. But even after Hurricane Katrina, I didn't really land in the insurance industry until about 2009. And I just wanted to do something to get into national catastrophe. But... I bought a house in the flood zone back in 2012 and, you know, saw the disaster where the realtor didn't know what to do, the lender didn't know what to do, you know, the insurance company didn't even know what to do. And I saw this huge opportunity for education. And, you know, that's how I kind of got into it. I survived the floods as a kid in Augusta, Georgia. So I've been through the flood. I bought the flood zone. You know, I've got this degree. Now I run the flood insurance guru, but also the disasters like you're talking about right here. We walk people through how to apply for disaster assistance how to get that SBA loan, you know, the difference between disaster assistance and insurance. You know, what are your next steps here? How do we help you speed up through disaster recovery financially and also mentally? Um, so that's, you know, really what we do every day between our flood consulting company, our flood insurance company, and our flood education company. There you go. Uh, I appreciate that. Um, you know, and I just wanted to give you guys that kind of background just so, you know, uh, give that credibility. I know you guys know he's already been – I think you're one of the only people who's been on my show twice. Now it's your third time. Jeez, take up residence here. Um, yeah, I love it. And then, uh, Ariel, uh, I wanted you to kind of give – you've got a, another cool story. Um, it wasn't cool at the time, but it's cool to hear where you've come from there and how you handled what could have been a terrible situation. It was a terrible situation. Uh, kind of give a little, you know, reminder of what 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 kind of your story is there. Yep. So for those of you who don't know me, my name is Ariel Rivera, also known as the Merman. Um, I'm originally from San Juan, Puerto Rico, born and raised. Uh, that's where I started my first insurance agency 17 years ago. I'm on my 18th year now. Um, I recently moved to Jacksonville, Florida, San Agustin, actually, uh, where I started my second agency. So... In 2017, we live in Puerto Rico. We went through what it's called, you know, the Hurricane Maria, uh, which was the one that basically destroyed the island uh, in the last probably 100, 200 years. Uh, the interesting thing about Hurricane Maria is first we had Hurricane Irma. So either 14, 20 days later, we had Hurricane Maria. And we just went through uh, what Louisiana is going right now and what they went through back in uh in 2005 with Katrina. Um, so first of all, thoughts and prayers to all of them. I 
if I get emotional, I apologize because, you know, PTSD is fully activated. And just like you, I was watching yesterday the news and I had to go out to my garage just to see because I didn't want my daughter to see me. I started, you know, kind of like crying and emotionally feeling the pain because when Hurricane Maria hit Puerto Rico, we had the same thing, 180 miles per hour winds. Um, everything got flooded. You know, almost everybody around the country knows the power went out for three months, six months, maybe a year. So what you can do after the hurricane, like definitely if you were prepared as an agency owner uh, before the hurricane, kudos to you. It's going to get tough. Um, I actually learned from Louisiana myself. So I'm very close with the PIA members of Louisiana. And when Hurricane Maria happened, they came to me and they guided me through the process. And I'm just going to quote this words and hopefully it will, you know, help everybody, um, you know, understand and feel what the pain it's, it's going to be. Like Chris just said, it's not about, not only about the claim or FEMA or SBA loans, it's about recovering emotionally and mentally. So um, Richie Clements, he's an agency owner from Louisiana, great guy, a good mentor. He said, this is not a sprint, it's a marathon. So all our prayers to everyone in Louisiana. That's a little bit of my story. Yeah, fellas, I, I appreciate that. Just a little background before we dive into it. And again, as I'm watching this last night, and obviously, you know, wife and I are just like you guys said, you know, praying for and thinking about these folks. Um, you know, I can't help but, but think about it. And as I'm, you know, texting, I've got, you know, as y'all have friends down there that you're texting with and checking in on. And, you know, how do you prepare for this? I guess I just even, you know, start there for a minute. As you're an agency owner and you know there's a big disaster coming, um, how do you even, you know, because you can't, I can imagine you can't really prepare for it, but how do you prepare for something like this? One of you go ahead and start, and then the other one can get into it. Where do you even begin if you know it's coming? All right, so I'm going to jump in here. First thing first, your family. Family, your team, um, you got to set up yourself the right way. You know, it's a, you got to take care of your team, take care of your family. Uh, one thing we did is uh, we had our emergency and catastrophic plan. I talked to everybody at the agency, and I said, listen, you all go home, be with your family, um, when it is safe, and remember, I don't decide when it's safe. It's actually the, the local state, you know, and federal authorities say it's safe to go out. Then I want you all to stay at your home, not even go out. I'm going to be the one visiting the agency. I'm going to see how it is. Um, you know, we lost power signal, everything. So, I mean, cell phone signal. So you could not call everyone. So we established a plan where we said, it's going to come. This is what we're going to do. And we put it all in writing. And we said, we're going to relocate two of us, which is was my wife and I. The rest of the team is going to have, uh, it's going to be outside on the streets visiting clients. And at that time, you could not even charge your laptop or Surface or iPad, whatever. So we were taking claims by hand. So it was interesting because they would get the claims, drive to a specific spot where you would have a cell phone signal in the middle of the highway. And it's funny because it's a four or five lane highway. And it was only one you could use because the other were fully, um, fully stuck in traffic because people would just park there to call their family, family members in the States. Um, in our case, we use that to report claims. So they will come back to me. We will put it down. Once we were able to leave the Puerto Rico and go to North Carolina to work claims, we had power. Now we started the whole claim process through the sending everything to the carrier. So my team was running point. 
uh, in the island. And then we were running the agency from North Carolina uh, for a little over a month, just opening thousands of claims. So, I mean, like, you know, Chris, maybe you can jump in here too. And I think that's awesome. And I, and I love hearing that. I mean, what is that something you had to start? I guess, Ariel, uh, you had to start that a couple of days or weeks prior to knowing that's coming. Obviously, you know that's coming, they're reporting, but you don't know how bad it's going to be. It could be a two, it could be a category five, it could be a four. You know, one of the things I heard yesterday that really shook me and my wife was that this was, how they say it, a, uh, a hiccup away from a Category 5 for the fifth time in the United States. That's big. You know, I live here in Arkansas. We don't even have anything close to a hurricane the size of that. But when you're – you don't know if it's going to be a 3 or a 5. I mean, how do you prepare for that, Chris, Ariel? I mean, how do you – what do you do ahead of time? Well, let me tell you, this doesn't start a day. This doesn't start weeks. This starts months and years in advance. Um, I've done a lot of content creation on what comes first, preparedness or mitigation, because they're both, they kind of come in together, you know, mitigation is a reduction of risk. Preparedness is preparing for, for things like this. You know, I think it's best to you know, think like Bill Belichick. Think about the process he goes through every day, year after year after year for that big moment. And that's exactly as agency owners we should be doing with our team is, you know, building disaster plans. But on that, helping our customers, especially our commercial clients, with these disaster plans years in advance, like, oh, I don't need it, whatever. And I'm like, how is your business going to keep going? And I think COVID hopefully helped prepare a lot of people for a situation like this to understand, hey, how do I keep my business going point. through a disaster? You know, we were blessed enough that we blew up after, you know, COVID because of some things that we had put in place knowing that something like that could happen, you know, shifts and things like that. But if your business can't keep going through this disaster, going, getting it going again after disaster is going to be tough especially from the emotional standpoint of your mental health at that point, you're going to be exhausted. So you've got to have all these processes in place, you know, ready to go. You know, when the disaster recovery is over, response is over, kick it in into recovery. You know, because that recovery, that could be a six-month to a five-year phase. And so that's why it's important to, you know, understand each process from preparedness to mitigation to response to recovery. Yeah. Chris, you said it perfectly. Sorry to cut you off, Heath. You're no, going you're to be burned out. It's, it's almost impossible when you go to a, through a catastrophe like this one. You're going to be burned out. There's going to be burnout, you know, physical, mentally. So, and that goes the same for your team. So, how do you prepare yourself and your team? That's what's important. And like Chris said, this you don't prepare for this. You know, two days prior to that, you have to prepare for this months or years prior. And and at IOA uh, back in San Diego, I was telling everyone. You can have, you know, a disaster preparedness uh, manual, document, policy, whatever you want to call it in your office. And it could be one page. It doesn't have to be the most scientific, you know, FEMA emergency, 20,000 pages, whatever. It could go one page. It could go two pages, maybe 20, whatever works for your agency. But you got to have something in writing. And that's what Chris was saying about establishing the processes and the best ways to do it. And, and if you have that clear then you're going to be able to move forward with whatever, you know, hits you. Here's I remember to keep it simple. So same thing with the notes in our CRM that we built out as our AMS. I want somebody to walk in our agency who's never walked for our agency and can pretty much figure out exactly what to do because the note was so simple and detailed. Yep. We open email. So, it's, so we even created a specific subject for every email we send out. So every email, because we have two hurricanes. So we were working, you know, double the claims because yeah. it was Irma first and then Maria. So at first, everything was 
2017-Irma-the-insure-name-policy number. When Maria hit us, and that's where everything got really bad, then we open every claim, 2017-Maria- So it's simple things like that that will, you know, first of all, protect you against ENO, number one. Number two, you know, keep uniform. You want to stay as, you know, as constant and, and have those templates as well ready. Yeah, to me, I remember, and again, this is, you know, probably a terrible analogy, but I remember, you know, my first kid, I got three kids now, and y'all have kids, you know, you, you get prepared, and your wife's got nine months to prepare for this kid, and you have your go bag ready, you've got everything ready, here's what's going to happen when my wife breaks her water, we go into labor, the whole nine, you know, that's the only thing that I can think of that I could compare in my own life to being ready, as you said, you don't do it the day before, it started like after our first, you know, visit to the, the hospital, the doctor to talk about, you know, my who's now 13. Um, is that kind of, you know, what you're talking about? You got to get you gotta have your go bag ready. You got to have your plan in place. We're going to go here. We're going to do that. Is that what you're talking about? I mean, something similar. I know it's a terrible analogy of pregnancy. No, it's, it's actually a great analogy because well, guess what happens when a disaster happens? All that gets thrown out the window. And let me tell you about that. My daughter was adopted. She was born two months early. So we had about a six, uh, about three month notification that turned into 24 hours. It said, hey, she's coming today. Oh, we need you in the state of Utah by tomorrow. And you could be there five weeks instead of five days. And I was there for five weeks. And, but that's exactly what happens in a disaster. Everything gets thrown out the window. And you just got to figure out. Now, there's something in emergency management we call ICS. You know, it's the incident command system of knowing who's going to be doing what. You know, what department's handling this and that and that. And it's so important to have that kind of plan in place. In a disaster like this, so that you can avoid, you're going to have chaos. The key is to minimize the chaos. Like you said, Chris, I mean, it's no, number one, it's going to be all hands on deck. So that's 100%. You know, you're not going to get away with this. There's no sales. This is not the time to focus on sale. Um, you bring everybody into the table, but if you assign a role, and keep in mind, this doesn't have to be a large agency, it could be a simple mom and pop shop, you know, two people, three people, four people. It's even harder for, you know, when you're a smaller agency because now you're handling and battling everything. So if you're prepared, your team is prepared, then you will probably succeed. Uh, you're always, like you said, you're always going to have problems. You're always going to be um, feeling stress and it's, it's natural. It, it is what it is. The key is, though, if you handle this right, you'll never have to worry about another cell in your agency again. Yeah, that's, that's a good point. Uh, speak on that a little bit more, Chris. Well, what I mean by that is, let's be honest, you know, especially as insurance agents, you know, we sell all these policies. Look, selling the policy is not what we're there for. Situations like this is what we're there for. It's one reason why we do not hire salespeople inside our company. I've got a lady right now who came back on her sets as a nurturer. She loves helping people solve problems. She generally just likes speaking to people. Those are the kind of people we like to hire. And, and people who have the heart of a teacher. And the reason is, when situations like this occur, you know, we can teach those proper entertainment. Here's the process. Here's what you need to be aware of in this. You know, they don't feel like they're being sold to or anything like that. But we're really just, we're walking them down that journey. And we want people that people want to generally talk to. They can just fill in their voice. They, I call it smiling through the phone. When we hire somebody, the condition is you have to be able to make me smile through the phone. Because if you can make me smile through the phone, you can make our customer smile through the phone. In a situation like this, that can mean the world to that client. Yep. And that's empathy. Empathy, 100%. It's, uh, that's the first thing we list down, you know, if something happened, even a claim. I, I tell everyone, remember, 
what's big for you or what's little for you might be big or little for the other person. So especially your clients. So I remember we had a lady, she would call the office, I don't know, maybe four times a week because her the hero can destroy her curtain, her canopy. So, you know, we're talking about the building she lives in. It was a $2 million claim. The building is, you know, all messed up. <clears throat> and she kept calling every other day about when are you guys going to pay and replace my canopy? And I'm like, man, with all the respect, of course, we're, you know, we're applying empathy and being nice, but that's the type of thing. Cause you're like, man, the canopy is going to be settled. But right now the whole condo is destroyed, you know, but that was big for her. And we needed to have the empathy, you know, and of course, like you said, the smile behind the phone to let her know, listen, ma'am, we're handling this. Um, you're going to get your canopy uh, eventually. And yeah. I will tell you this too, in a situation like this, you know, we talk about video proposals and all this, Sending a video out to the client of just saying, hey, you know, I'm here to help you with the claim. To have that face to just associate with, I understand that, you know, power may be down and all these things. But when it comes back up and they can go back and watch that, and they just feel like there's somebody there who cares. They put the name of the face and it just makes them feel like they're not alone. And that's why I tell you know, when we hire a team, you, these are the kind of situations we use video in more than a proposal. You know, whether someone's two miles away or 2,000 miles away, it's our job to build an emotional connection with them. Yeah, that's good. Uh, and that's one of the things, you know, and there's people that listen to this, you know, whether in Arkansas or somewhere in, you know, middle of America uh, that may not have to deal with hurricanes on a regular basis or wildfires out in California. But we do have our own disasters of whatever it might be on a day-to-day -day basis or, you know, a, a tornado, for example, for me in Arkansas or Oklahoma, um, or it could be just like a, a total loss or a total, you know, something that could happen, you know, un unbeknownst to you. You know, what are some of the things in that situation, you talk about videos, that's a good idea. What are some other things that you could do following up from that, you know, to let your people know that you're there, you're empathetic, you're whatever, uh, either one of you, if you want to take that, no matter what the disaster is. I'll, I'll tell you this. Insurance agents are going to jump all over me. I mean, I'm probably going to get so much hate mail on what I'm about to say. <laughs> Don't worry. I'll I'm back you firm, up, Chris. <laughs> I'm a firm believer in it. That I think in these situations, so many agencies have this mindset that handcuffs them about, oh, I can't say that because of you know, I can't say that. Oh, I can't make that call and tell them about that because I might get sued. And then what happens is they get sued because – the customer's just like, you know, I had a terrible experience. Nobody reached out to me because they were so mentally handcuffed by, oh, I don't want to expose my agency instead of just picking the phone up and doing what's right for the customer. My other soapbox is hurricanes and inland. That's all. That's like my biggest soapbox. So right now in Ida, I'm not so focusing so much on what's happened in Louisiana. It's a terrible, you know, you've got loss of life there and everything. But what people are forgetting about is the impact that Ida is about to have in Tennessee, Kentucky, and Pennsylvania. Those are the people that may be even more exposed because it doesn't happen to very often like it does in the coast. Right. That's good. Like Waverly, Tennessee, for example. Uh, last week, got 17 inches of rain in a 24-hour period. You know, up to 40 people were washed away. We made a little bit of news, but we recently did a piece of content on Wimberley, Texas, and Waverly, Tennessee. You see, Wimberley, Texas, the exact same thing happened six years ago and on a summer or really spring day down in um, um, Branco, Texas, and the water rose so quickly that all these vacationers were actually washed away. You know, there was a gentleman who lost his wife and uh, his children in that flood. You know, there was 13 lives lost. But those are things that we try to educate people on. Hey, you know, this is why NFIP risk rating 2.0, one of the reasons they're coming out with these changes is it's not black and white anymore on flood zones and flood threats. 
you know, it's a moving scale and it's really got to be addressed inland. These hurricanes cause sometimes more damage inland because they become this low depression and they sit in this area and they just dump a huge amount of rainfall. Like what happened in Nebraska a few years ago yep. with the ice melt jams from spring runoff. You know, that's why we talk about, you know, spring season is really probably the busiest season for us because of education, because of the snow melt. And in the areas of Alabama get some of the, their most rainfall the last couple of years in those winter months. And that's, um, I mean, what you just said, you just hit the nail on the head. It's, first of all, I would say heat and I will add this up and, and I'm super advocate for this. This is the moment where you use social media the right way. So you're not selling anything, you're helping people. And what Chris just said is the best tip anybody can have, put a face into the people, into people's hand, because you know what? One thing as, as, as disaster, I mean, as horrible as it is, everybody wants most of the time or somebody those three minutes of fame, you know, where they want to record themselves or take a selfie or do whatever. So that means people are actually going into social media. Plus think about from the family side. So we have family, we live in Puerto Rico, my sister lives in Florida, my mom lives in North Carolina. I mean, my aunt lives in New York and everybody's all worried. They can't reach us, but sometimes posting something on social media real quick will let them know, okay, we are fine. The same thing goes for your agency. So the things you're posting, what you're saying, you can lead them towards the right place. So if you work with 10, 12 carriers and you know you write homeowners for them, share whatever they're posting. It's all about sharing the information for you to be present for your clients. So you want to be there. You want them to understand. And at the same time, you don't even have to write the content yourself. You should, but you, don't, you can just share FEMA's, uh, NOAA, Na the National Hurricane Center. Jesus Christ, the Weather Channel. There's so many things you can share. Yeah, you're right. And even something as simple, I'll never forget, earlier, I think it was this year, maybe it was the end of last year, we had a huge tornado that wiped out Jonesboro, Arkansas, small town in Arkansas. And my wife, you know, PIA exec, sends out an email, um, an email and posts it on social with every phone number of claims departments and every carrier that's a member of PIA or that supports the PIA. And that one email, that one text, and that one social post got her more reaction than everything she posted that year because people <laughs> were like, hey, I can't get to the office to find my claims numbers. I don't know who to call. I don't know where to go. And we had more agents and even other people that were not uh, agents and just picked up the phone and called my wife. It was like, hey, thank you for posting. I didn't know who to call. I couldn't get a hold of my agency owner. So I looked at your post and found it. So even little things like posting a daggum phone number yep. went so far. I think yep. this is really important, too, where the, you know, the big change now. And I'm going to plug it here, even though I don't use it. Something like a glove box. Of having the app with the information you need, as I said, you know, fortunately for what we do, you know, they're not a good fit for us right now, but they're doing so much to help agencies change stuff across the country. And it's for situations like this. Hey, you know, it's three o'clock in the morning and my house just burned to the ground. You know, how do I get the information I need? And that's where you, the, the reason you prepare beforehand and you know your clients. So because you know them and you know who you have them insured, you can do you know, mass bulk email, even text messages. So there's a lot of, you know, automation towards sales, sales automation. Well, guess what? You can also use automation to prepare your clients and make them look, you know, and, and make them see what you're sending them and understand whether via email or a text message and use it to your advantage because you're not using it to sell anything. You're using it to let them know we're here for you. And Chris, you said it's so right. 
insurance is an intangible good, right? So it's, it's, it's hard to see what insurance can do for you until you actually have to go through it. So whether it's a hurricane, a tornado, a flood or whatever. I'll tell you what we do when those flood watches, those warnings, warnings go out. We actually tell people things their policies will cover really without truly having to file a claim. For example, FEMA and almost every flood policy has this thing called loss avoidance. That means they'll pay up to $1,000 to cover things like filling sandbags, moving property to higher ground. They'll cover the actual labor you know, on a reimbursement standpoint. And we send people those things out. And one reason we do that is if we can teach them how to move these things to higher ground, prevent that water from coming in, we prevent them from hopefully having to file a true flood insurance claim. We help protect the carrier. Uh, emotionally, we make the disaster recovery better for them because they're not having to go through that long process. And also, they're not seeing massive maybe premium increases or things like that. So we're protecting their budget and creating you know, long-term rate stability for them by helping them put a mitigation plan in place. I even call it a disaster response even before the disaster has occurred you know, to let them know, hey, these are things that are going to be covered, and this is the process of follow. I think that's huge, you know, to let people know, because a lot of people don't know what's covered in their policy. It's like our good buddy, all of ours, good buddy, and Scott Howell says, you don't earn your paycheck till you know, the claim happens, till real shit happens, and that's when you earn your stripes, earn your paycheck. That's when the real job starts as an insurance agent, not selling the policy, but, you know, I think y'all both said it very well there. Um, one of the things I'll tell you, you know, the mayor has a trouble with, and that's, you know, and I freak out every single time we lose power, a blip in power for like a minute and a half at my house. I freak out because I can't imagine life without power. So I couldn't imagine. I know you went through it, uh, Ariel. And uh, but I can't imagine these people. I can't imagine an entire city the size of New Orleans without power for weeks, maybe even months. You know, what What can you how do you even begin there? I, I'm lost. I don't even know what to do there. And again, my thoughts and prayers go out to these people. But where do you even go as an agency owner and as a, you know, a claimant? So there's a lot of, I mean, first of all, there's, there's going to be shortage. Shortage of gas, shortage of water, shortage of food. I remember for almost two to three weeks, I would say, we were only eating one meal a day. And it's at that point in time when you realize you can have thousands, hundreds of thousands of dollar in your bank account and it's worth absolutely nothing because even the ATM machines are not working so you cannot withdraw any money. So what do you do? I mean, that's why you prepare as a family, a, a family plan, right? Where are you headed? Are you going to relocate? Are you going to move? Are you going to go, you know, stay at somebody's house? So, I mean, if, if a hurricane as big as that is coming to destroy, you know, Florida, God protects us and, and, or Puerto Rico or whatever, I will drive to your house in Arkansas. I, will, I mean, I'm moving away because I want to make sure, number one, my family's okay. And number two, I'm gonna, I got to go somewhere where I can service my client. So that's also important. But yeah, establishing a plan, knowing that what's going to happen, the expectations are so big here. So we knew we were going to run out of food for a week. We never in a million years thought we were going to run out of food in two weeks. So you will buy one meal, that's all you ate in the whole day. And then obviously my daughter was three by then. You can only imagine how your heart, you know, melts when your daughter is telling you I'm hungry at, you know, eight o'clock at night because she only ate a lunch. So it is tough. It's very hard. Uh, one good thing about the people in Louisiana, and I believe uh, Puerto Rico shares the same thing in Florida as well, they're resilient. So they're, they're, they know pain they understand pain and, and they are resilient and they will get back on their feet and i'm sure stronger than ever so i will tell you this through all this too though i think it, 
uh, we need to think about the importance of strategic alliances, strategic partnerships. And what I'm talking about is matching up with different agencies across the country that can step in and help with claims, help answer questions, you know, when we may not be able to be there. Maybe, you know, I'm in Georgia, but I need a strategic partner in Arkansas or North Carolina, something far enough away from me where they're not impacted by the disaster that I'm in, but vice versa with them. What if they need that? And so being able to lean on each other in a system like that. And so that's one thing that kind of we've created. That's also with being nationwide, that's kind of a unique opportunity that we've had as well as these disasters happen across this country, creating these partnerships where, you know, things can keep going for all the customers. And that's, again, goes back to a big part in my heart. I know y'all's as well as those relationships you build in this business and how big our industry is, but also how small and family oriented we are. And that, you know, here I've got on a phone call right here, I've got three different states, three different areas, three different, you know, everything right here. And we all love our industry and, and want to help each other out. And, you know, as we get into claims a little bit, I do want to ask you, because we got to talk about this a little bit earlier, but, you know, Chris, you brought up a good point off air that I wanted you to bring up again. You know, once we do start seeing claims happen, you're going to see some battles going on. I want you to continue on that between whether it's flood or whether it's, you know, wind or whether it's this or that. I don't want both of you to speak on it, but Chris, you're bringing up a good point. I had to hit record and cut you off before you got all that gold before we hit record. <laughs> yeah, for example, you know, as I said, I studied Hurricane Katrina for two years in and out. I studied the Des Moines flooding, you know, the history of it. And my brother actually worked Katrina as an engineer, and he even said one of the issues, hey, we saw was it was a battle between wind and flood. You know, carriers wanted to deny it because the roof was ripped off. The house was filled with water. You know, a similar situation happened in Mexico Beach. Where we had to battle with some insurance companies to get things paid out as wind and not flood. You know, they were wanting to say, hey, this is not a wind claim, this is a flood claim, and the property is on the eighth floor. And I'm like, obviously, the reason the water came in was because the roof was ripped off. And so those are some battles, but I think that's where us as insurance agents got to step in and really, you know, go to fight for our customers. Sometimes I feel that sometimes we're worried, we're, you know, kind of concerned. We don't want to step in the claims process. We don't want to step on the wrong foot. We don't want to say the wrong thing, but I mean, we're here to fight for our clients. I mean, that's why they come with us. Is it a situation like this where we can go to fight for them? I've got one in Arkansas, and um, I think it's actually in Jonesboro, Heath, that the flood was denied because he went, they went and interviewed the neighbors, and neither one of them had flood damage. But then I started talking to the customer. Well, this property up the street was impacted. I said, was it at least two acres? He said, yes. He gives me the customer's information. I reach out to him. I interview them. I go to the care and say, look. It meets FEMA's definition. So now we're working on getting the claim approved. And so I just- You think, do that? You I do, do that, that for a customer? You got a customer for life. Like you said, you don't have to sell anything after Definitely. that. Definitely. Yep. Well, I will tell you this. It came from another agent in Arkansas that we do a lot of business with. But like I tell them, it's our job to make that agent look like a rock star. So they have a customer for life. And this is one way we try to do that. And that's incredible. That's incredible. Yeah, Ariel, you have anything to add to that? Yeah, another thing. We went, I mean- it was so bad in Puerto Rico because it became, so not only do you have the question whether it's wind damage or water damage, then there's also pre-existing damage. So there's, you know, there's the painting, the roofing, there's so many things that came into place uh, at the time where, you know, if the client did not have, let's just put it this way, enough evidence and, you know, pictures, videos, and as much as you can provide to the carrier. And then obviously, you know, go get those estimates so what happened in Puerto Rico was because everything was, you know, the disaster took out everything. 
you would not get an estimate from a roofing company in probably six, eight, or nine months from that point, from the hurricane. So that's also another problem because now you might have a carrier saying, well, because you did not mitigate the damage, now we're not going to pay for the roof or we're not going to pay for this. So that's another problem. And probably Louisiana is going to face this really bad because by the time everybody's up on their feet again, there's still a lot of more damage that has happened. So with us, we went through it and it was horrible, horrible. Heath, you talked about the insurance market. This is not going to help. Louisiana was already in a bad situation after last year. You know, having five storms come in. Yep. Yeah, have four hurricanes, yeah. 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 I have a lot of people that listen to the show that will call me and, you know, and y'all probably have the same thing. Y'all have your own shows and whatnot. People say, hey, you know a good market in Louisiana, right, homeowners? Or do you know a good market for this or that? Because they're struggling already. And like you said, then we have this kind of thing go on. And it's not going to just affect Louisiana. It's going to affect all of us. Um, and that's one of the other things that, you know, a lot of us, you know, as I've talked to my friends all over, as we've watched the Weather Channel yesterday, we all feel bad. We don't know what to do, how we can get involved, how it's going to affect us, what's going to happen. And like I said, I want this episode to be a lot about Hurricane you know, Ida, but also about any kind of natural disaster right now that's going to affect our industry and what we can do moving forward. And that's why I wanted to have two, you know, the best experts in the industry to talk about this. What do we do moving forward? What can we expect? Well, I think it's important that the people in Louisiana really follow what the people in California are going through, the people, parts of Texas, and really Florida. And, you know, leaning on them. You know, we hear all these people telling these new agents are, hey, I want to write new business in Florida and all this. And uh, Errol, you can tell them. I mean, yeah. It's a disaster right now. But yeah. it's important to understand, hey, you might go through this in Louisiana for the next three to five years. But it's important to have the right processes in your agency where you can survive it. You know, for example, if you're having to requote 1,000 flood insurance policies, does it make sense to have someone who's making $40,000 a year doing that? Or does it make sense to have a VA doing that? How are you going to survive this period and still be profitable? So you just yeah. need to end all that. So reach out to those agents in Florida and Texas, and, you know, in California with all these moving parts that they're having to deal with right now. Yeah, and let me ask you this, you know, from, you know, just an idea standpoint, maybe even a legal standpoint, can an agency in Arkansas, for example, or Georgia, you know, help an agency in Louisiana file claims and do things like that on their behalf? Is there things that we can do as agency owners or industry professionals in other states could help out in those situations? Well, there's simple things you can do, like open a generic email, you know, claims at you know, whatever the mayorinsurance.com or things like that. And if you're going to have those other agencies helping you out, you can use that same, you know, email address for everybody. Because remember, they're not necessarily they're going to be speaking to your client because some state will not allow that unless you're licensed in that state, which is, uh, that's a great question. But they, they might be pulling, you know, bringing in information from the clients, helping with the email, um, even taking calls. You take a call and all you got to do is listen. Are you okay? These are the damages. We're going to put this, uh, you know, send it to the carrier if you have not sent it yet. Um, but that's it. You know, not necessarily they have to go right. the extra mile, which is what Chris was saying. That's where it makes sense to bring in a VA. And then the VA just answer the phone, take their information. I remember if you're going to, in Puerto Rico, we had to do everything. So we open the claims ourselves for every client. So that's 2,500 claims, over 2,500. We had to open directly with every carrier we represented, right? So, but most of the states, usually the client goes directly to the carrier, you just get the claim report, but you also want to be there for them. 
So that's where having a VA call, send out emails and things like that. And obviously, keep in mind, you might be in the northwest side of Louisiana and you, you were not impacted that bad, but you had people in, in New Orleans um, you know, that were destroyed. So they might not be able to reach you in the next two, three, four uh, weeks, maybe two, three months. Yeah, and I, I do on, think... Uh, it's a little different on home insurance, but I'll tell you on flood insurance, we actually don't have a customer call directly and file a claim at all. Instead, they fill out a form with claims information for us. We pick up a, the phone. We have a conversation with them and understand short-term impacts, long-term impacts. Maybe they only got like $1,500 in damage. They got a $1,000 deductible, but then we can see how things are going to change over the next two or three years. And we try to advise them on these things. Then we let them decide, hey, do you want to file this claim? You know, instead of just filing the claim, and then maybe it's a private flood insurance policy that non-renews. And then they have to go back to that FEMA policy, and it's it's just a disaster because of you know premium increases and these other things. But what we find out is, well, so and so told me just to file a claim. They didn't tell me about all of that. And so this is when we also try to use video, though. Like you said, you're trying to get in touch with all these people. Look, if I'm making the video and the video and I'm explaining everything, it doesn't matter who sends out the video. Yep. The only thing that matters is I'm the one in the video explaining everything. That's yeah, true. I um, you know, one of the things I'm hearing a central theme that uh, I'm hearing through everything that we're talking about is, is education, whether it's educating people on the process, it's educating them on the policy language, educating them on uh, any other thing you need to within this process or within the disaster. Um, am I correct in that? Am I hearing that correctly? And talk to me a little bit about that, Ariel, and then you know, hit me some more on that, Chris, on the education part of it. Yeah, education is crucial. This is where you set up expectations. You let them know step-by-step step what they should do. Is everybody going to open your email? Not necessarily. Is everybody going to watch your video that you posted on social media or whatever you did? Not necessarily. But if you can educate your clients, and remember, you, you might want to stay away from whether it's covered or not covered. So that's the part you want to stay away. You know, so they're, I mean, they're horrible, but there are simple claims like, you know, a fire. Usually there's no question about a fire. The problem with hurricanes and flood as well, it's all about interpretation. So the best way I put it, I love baseball. So if you have an umpire saying it's a strike and you say it's a ball, you're discussing with the umpire. Same thing goes between the adjuster and the client or the adjuster and the agency. So with wind claims, it's a matter of how the, the adjuster is going to interpret, you know, whether it was a ball or a strike or whether it was wind damage or no, or the same thing goes for flood. But yeah. That's why you would educate your clients towards the process of documenting everything. Uh, we even send out emails prior to every storm. We actually start on the hurricane season on May. Um, we start sending in social media and email during the month of May, June, July, and then August as well. So we reach the peak of the hurricane season saying, listen, go around your house, take a video of everything. If you don't want to do an inventory, some people like to do it, others not. Take pictures, have them. Oh, by the way, if you don't mind, email those pictures to a family member you trust so they can have them accessible for you as well. And that same way, you can keep educating your clients towards what they should do, like Chris said, um, not necessarily towards coverage. So let me let me back you before you get in, Chris. Ariel, I think one of the things that you said that I think is huge is, you know, you don't know necessarily how they're going to respond, whether it's through social, whether it's through text, whether it's through video, whether it's through phone calls. There's so many avenues. I think you got to touch all of them. Am yeah. I right or wrong in that? You got to touch yeah. them all? All of them. All of them. You send the same way you send an email. You 
you do a social media post. The same way you do a text message, you do a social media post. So that's why you use it to your advantage. Even on the onboarding process of every client, one of the steps we have is we ask them to please, you know, follow us on social media, not because I want the like, I could care less about the like, I actually care, but you know, <laughs> but because we, we explain to them on that email and that text message saying, social media, it's a great communication tool where we're gonna provide you with valuable information towards insurance related topics. So you gotta hit every avenue. Chris, get, get it, Chris. There you go. <laughs> right. Now this is where I get into video analytics and automation analytics. I know when someone opens an email. I know when they watch my video. I know how much they watched it. And so then I can create other actions. Hey, you didn't watch the video. You only watched half of it. Then I can leave, have a voicemail left for them. Hey, I noticed you haven't watched that video yet. You know, I want to see how we can answer these questions with you through this process. So I can take the customer behavior and react based off that behavior of how they're reacting with us originally. You know, if they're not opening the emails or they open the email five times, then I can say, I can shoot them a quick email and say, hey, you have any other questions or pick up the phone and call them. Now, I know you open this a lot of times or you haven't finished watching this. You know, everybody laughs at me about analytics. This is the kind of stuff I really use the analytics for. It's not closing a deal. It's engaging with my customers when they need that engagement. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I think that's good. Um, you know, again, going back to one of the things as we, you know, start to wrap up a little bit, because I could talk about this forever. And I know y'all could too. But uh, going back to one of the things I mentioned earlier, because I know I'm one of these guys that are in are inland, so to speak, that want to help, whether it, help more the clients and the agents than anything else. But what kind of things, I know water could be something, but like, what are some things that these agents and these clients are going to need? What can I do if there's an agency down there I know of in North Carolina or in New Orleans that needs something to help their clients? What are some supplies, some things that the people listening right now could send or donate or do to help out? I think this is where IAOA comes into play. Yep. Uh, you know, better together. But in this group. Or the PIA or the big I. Yeah. Yeah, okay. but the reason I say IOA is because of the Facebook group. It seems that we do a very good job of communicating with each other in situations like this, putting funds together, putting resources together, getting them out. You know, another one is Joe Camper runs an insurance syndicate. You know, some of these Facebook groups do actually a really good job of getting resources together fairly quickly to get them done or to help those agencies. You know, something, well, I've seen it where they'll send a staff member down there to help. I did that with Enterprise with Katrina Head. I worked two and a half weeks down at Katrina after it hit, just getting people in rental cars using FEMA cards and just getting them on the road and getting them transportation, pulling in those staff members from across the country and doing it. So I think that's, you know, really important to understand that, though, you know, making sure that group is, you know, people are aware of agency owners of this group. If you're not already in it, these are the kind of things this group does so well. Yeah, they do a conference and, you know, we talk about some other things, but we do a really good job of pulling resources together. Yep. And I would say, don't be afraid to reach out. Don't be afraid. Nobody's going to bite. Nobody's going to, you know, there's so much love and appreciation and more importantly, respect. And there's, listen, I was impressed going back to your question, Heath. I received a call and here can Maria happen uh, from Mike Becker, the CEO of PIA National. And I'm sure, you know, Big Eye and other organizations as well, uh, they have done similar things. So they establish a fund, a trust fund, um, however they call it. And then they call us up and they say, okay, so we were able to raise from people around the country this amount of money. We're going to send it down to PIO Puerto Rico. And I'm like, no, 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 we don't need money. 
right now. Money would not get you anything. And he goes like, well, what do you need? So what do we need? We need the camping stove, you know, obviously propane tanks, you cannot ship them, uh, but we need, you know, batteries, uh, you know, lights, whatever, even portable fans, like the one you use when you go to Disney with your kids, with your kids, and it's so hot. So we need all of that more than we actually need money. So feel free to reach out, let everyone know, like IOA, you know, whether you're PIA, big guy, whatever, let them know, listen, I know what they're going through. I know what they're struggling with. And my first, my first text yesterday, when I saw everything, it was actually to Mike Becker, a national and saying, listen, I want to reach out to Jody, which is the executive for PIA of Louisiana. And I was just with them this past July as in Mobile, Alabama. So I was with, you know, 300 agents on their convention and we were talking about exactly all of this. So reach out, you know, don't be afraid to ask and let people know what you, what you can do for them or what do you need if you're the one uh, in that situation. Yeah, and if there's, you know, agents out there listening to this or carrier reps, underwriters, claims, whoever, if you're listening to this and you're an insurance professional and you want to, you know, donate some of the supplies that, that Ariel, you know, mentioned earlier and you don't know where to send it, you know, email me at heath at insurancetownpodcast.com. We'll set up a pantry, something to that effect, and we'll make sure we get out there. Uh, I'm a six-hour drive from New Orleans. I'll drive down to myself and take it. Um, well, another like, COVID is going to create another challenge. That we're going yeah, to Will. That's a great point. I'm getting the, just the resources out because, you know, Louisiana is going through such a spike right now that even they said, hey, getting people in the hospitals could be a challenge right now. So getting these resources allocated the right way because of COVID guidelines. And so I think that's just something else we have to keep in our mind as well is that, hey, they're dealing with two disasters here right now. Yeah, I think another thing I want to bring up before we wrap up, um, because I do have a, a strong spot in my heart uh, for carrier reps, you know, for the carriers out there as well that get banged on a lot in these situations. How patient do we need to be with some of these carriers? How patient do we need to be with some of these people? I tell everyone, listen, you have to understand when you go to adjust a claim or, or when you're working with a care, specific carrier, you have to have empathy towards that person as well. And we told this to every client too. When you sit there, you have to remember that person, whether you like them or not, uh, they probably lost something too. Whether it's a family member that moved out of town or out of the, uh, the country back to the mainland, whether it's, uh, you know, they lost their home, whether they lost power. Remember, you're taking a cold shower, even if you have water, every morning because there's no power. And now you got to go to work and then obviously see people and work with people. So we got to have empathy towards the carriers as well. And those, those reps, they can do a lot, you know, for the agencies. And I encourage every, every carrier rep and Louisiana has amazing ones. So I met a lot of them at the convention and I had already met some of them before and the availability and how, how willing they were to go the extra mile for their agencies. I saw that at the conventions. So I would expect exactly the same now during the hurricane. But you got to have empathy and understand that that person you're dealing with, he probably or she might have lost something during the catastrophe. They might be going through their worst day of their life too. That's true. Well, yeah. It's also important that we educate clients that look, uh, closing out a home insurance claim is completely different than closing out a flood insurance claim. You could be talking about the difference of 30 to 60 days, six to nine months. Like we had one in Tennessee that was about $150,000 loss. You know, thankfully, we had it settled in a couple of months, but then they were like, you know, my neighbors haven't even started the NFIP process yet. 
But and then people just seem to be blindsided when that happens. So I think, you know, when we go through that initial phase of setting things up, hey, you know, let's set realistic expectations and help you understand what this process is going to look at, look at if something does happen. Ariel, let me ask you this, uh, and then I'm going to get to you in a second, Chris. Do you have, you know, something, a document, a PDF, something in, in your agency that you could share with my audience to say, okay, here's some of the steps we did. Here's my suggestions. Here's some content that we have. Do you have something like that? Yep, yep, we have one. I actually uploaded uh, one of them on the IOA Facebook group. So there's one back from the convention on 20, actually 2020, uh, on January so, last year. So there's actually my whole, even my whole presentation about the disaster preparedness that, that, I, that I was speaking at IOA. Um, so it's uploaded. If not, I'll upload it again. And I also have, so a one pager, it's called a one pager. And it's a simple one where it will direct every agency with the steps, you know, of what you should do. Whether you want and, to create a 20,000 page after that, that's up to you. And you can, can you tell them a way, whether it's your, you know, whichever email address, some way that people can contact you, listen to this right now. Yeah, you can email me at Ariel, my first name, just like the mermaid, A-R-I-E-L, at deerinsurance.com. Deer as in the animal, D-E-E-R. Ariel at deerinsurance.com. Feel free to reach out and I'll email it to you directly. And if they, if they wanted to, you know, reach out, maybe set up a call with you or something, you'd be okay with that? Oh, yeah. Especially for anyone who's going through the struggle now. And I wrote this on, on the IOA group. I'm also on the Louisiana Agents uh, Facebook group as well. And I said, listen, I would rather stop selling insurance and, and, you know, I will not stop servicing my client, of course, but just to help or guide anyone in this process. I would... Trust me, it's uh, it's one of those things you rather give out support more than anything else. Agreed. And then, Chris, I know you you shared some stuff with me already that you've already typed up and put out at like four in the morning this morning, I believe. But if there's some <laughs> stuff that you want to point people to, uh, some good content you've got. I know you've got a lot of it, videos you've done for, what, 1,200 days or whatever. I don't know. But yeah, hey, we, uh, we hit one. Our, we will hit our one thousand flood education video in like two weeks at Brainshare. I'm so hey, I said twelve hundred. I gave you a few. Right. But that's the whole reason why we started this video journey was to get that education across the country. So I mean, like if you've got questions about th you know things that maybe not on our YouTube channel, which is Flood Insurance Guru, or our website floodinsuranceguru.com, where we've got these daily blogs, our podcast. Let us know. We're here to help you any way we can. As I, said, I grew up with severe learning disability, I wasn't even supposed to go to college. So education is our passion. And when we hire someone inside our company, they have to have the heart of a teacher. Because like I tell people, at the end of the day, we are an education company who happens to own an insurance agency. I'm just going to say follow Chris' advice and, you know, educate yourself, but also educate your clients. That's that's what you're really here for. And, and I think I tweeted this the other day. Your clients, we help people in many ways. Insurance is just one of them. So, you know, you can lead your clients, you can guide them through many things. When your client calls you for either social media advice or whether you like a soccer league or something like that, that means you're important to that person and they value and respect your opinions. So do your due diligence and then, you know, be there for them. So. Yeah, no, I completely I think agree. The whole new federal flood insurance program is going to, you know. Yes. Yeah, let's, let's get into that for just a minute. Please. We were going to wrap up, but we still got a few more minutes. 2.0, October 1. Chris, yeah. once you start, you're the flood guy. Give me a little bit on that. Tell me what to expect, what we're looking at. It's new. Tell me. All right, flood zones are not going to determine rates anymore. So 
I talked to a rep from a rugged girl in a flood church company this morning and said, hey, this is going to be a disaster. I said, I told you two years ago it could have been a disaster. She said, we've got errors in the system and we're supposed to go live in a month. Uh, we don't even have community numbers that are matching up correctly yet. But in the grand scheme of things, you know, people are probably going to shoot me for saying this, but it's kind of a good change. It's a change that did need to come because what's happening is the National Flood Insurance Program is finally moving into the 21st century. You know, they're moving into some of those things from private carriers. I got an agent in Florida. It was mad, though. Everything he's quoting that's currently, you know, has policies at $700 is going four grand, five grand, six grand. The reason for that is FEMA's doing something that here at the Flood Insurance Guru, I actually have a flyer on it. I call it the fingerprint of flood insurance. So I'm going to be speaking at an event in Nebraska, the insurance agents, about this October. And the fingerprint, what I mean by that is, and you look at you, Heath, look at me. You know, we look different. We have different fingerprints, Right. Well, that's exactly how you need to start thinking about flood risks when it comes to the National Flood Insurance Program. Every structure is going to be different. So because of that, FEMA is using a few things to um, determine rates now. Distance to the water, type of flooding, you know, flood frequency, cost to rebuild, and what's called claim variable. So everybody gets kind of a free card until they have that first claim in the new program. Then FEMA does a 20-year look back. And let's just say you have three claims in the last 20 years. They use that as a rating factor on top of the regular, you know, maximum rate increase they can give you. And so as these claims fall off, your variable will go down, the rate could go down as it goes up. You know, it could fluctuate on top of the maximum 18% rate increase they can give you every year. But that's how they're changing these things. You know, elevation certificates are no longer going to be required. I tell people that's not necessarily a good thing. You're going off the data FEMA has. The only way to know that it's 100% accurate is an elevation certificate. Someone has physically put their eyes on the property. So everyone keeps getting happy. Oh, a, you know, maybe a mortgage company. I don't need an elevation certificate anymore. So that's not necessarily a good thing. You know, yeah, now you can quote it, but you might be talking an extra three grand because you don't have one. Or you know, some, everybody's like, well, I think this is just going to kill the private market for flood insurance. No, it's going to blow up the private market for flood insurance. Because there's so many things that just aren't ready to come out in this program yet, but they're really pushing them out. And there, there's just going to be a lot of issues. There's already a lot of pushback locally from Congress in Texas, Louisiana, Florida, North Carolina, New York, where people see these massive rate increases that can very well lead them into bankruptcy. And you know what? I, I second everything you said, Chris, and I would encourage every agency, whether you sell flood or not, but if, even if you sell homeowners insurance or you service those clients, you got to get ready because now if the, if the lender is going to require them flood, you better understand what they're talking about. So something as important as, as, as what just Chris just said, like, you know, elevation certificates are not going to be mandatory or required anymore. That doesn't mean you should not advise your client to actually get one because they might help. So I am just like Chris. I think this is really good for the industry. I have my reserves and my, you know, my problems just with the, the way the rollout is going to come. So that's my biggest concern. I believe this is going to help to write your owns as well. So if you're an agency owner, reach out to the write your owns. You know, even your homeowner's insurance carrier, you probably don't know they might offer flood or whatever. So get ready. This is going to change the game a lot. A lot of people, they might have, you know, the premiums might come down, but others, the premiums are going to go up. And like Chris said, People usually think it's only the, this is going to affect the coastal states, but it's not true because as we were talking earlier, Nebraska had a huge flooding. So how do you think that's going to affect them now? So go out there, understand risk rating 2.0. There's going to be a huge change between October 1st and April 1st because now the client, 
you will be able to quote both system, risk rating 2.0 or the legacy as well. So the cheaper premium is the one the client is going to keep, but you as an agent got to you know, educate, as we were talking, your client and let them know, listen, you're going to have this cheap premium, but only this time. Because once April 1st comes out, everybody's going to risk rating 2.0. So you save a little bit of money now, which is that's why you know I have my reserves towards the rollout, because I believe they should just roll out the whole thing. And Chris, maybe you agree or disagree with me. You should roll out the whole thing on April 1st. And that's it. You're ripping off the Band-Aid. You, the rating system is not even finalized. So there's still a lot of hiccups in their system. And I believe the rollout might be a little bit you know, too soon. But you know, Congress approved it. They already said. And BIA has done a really good job. And in Florida, the LAIA, which is the Latin American um, Insurance Agents Association, they have you know done a really good job towards instructing their members and letting everyone know and i will take you know the insurance town and encourage everyone to you know get acquainted with risk rating 2.0 because it's going to change the game for good for good in the long term no, yeah especially you want to wait till april too but you know you've got those two phases but i'm going to tell you this thing this is just going to be it's going to be crazy now their coverages are still saying the same grandfather technically still staying in place like i said like, look you know, they can stay staying in there, but it's really going away because what's going to happen is your grandfather rate is going to come up to what's called full risk. That means you're not going to get that rate from 1970 anymore. It's going to slowly phase out. Just like a policy assumption. Yeah, it'll be good the first year and things like that. Now, if you've got questions about 2.0, we've covered every single state on our YouTube channel and on our blog, and I'm currently covering changes in every single major city in the United States. If there's a zip code that we haven't covered, let us know and we'll cover it because we can break it down to exactly how many properties, good, bad, negative, throughout any city. We have all that data from FEMA. So wow. you could either go to FEMA.gov or you could go to the floodguru.com. Is that right? Floodinsuranceguru.com. Flood insurance guru. There you go. Um, so awesome. like Aerosol uh, with elevation certificates. We even have it on our website where you can order your own elevation certificate if you want. Nice. I mean, there's, there's so many, you know, um, there's so much on this that we can continue to talk about. And, you know, I hate that we had just plugged it at the very, very end, but I did. I'm glad that, you know, had you guys on here and talk about 2.0. Um, well, am I right on that? We'll make a plug for another podcast. The only way I do it is <laughs> you're a big supporter. You go ahead. As I'm doing an episode with Jason Cass in two days on this. Nice. I don't, know, it, I don't know when it'll be out. And I just did a podcast with David Carruthers a couple weeks ago that should be out soon on this. Yeah. Um, so I think this is, you know, obviously very important. And, I, you know, I love both those guys. Uh, Power Producers, fantastic. You guys also have your own shows. You want to do a little plug as well with Fun Insurance and uh, the Flood Guru. So, uh, you know, I don't. there's enough podcasts listening to go around for everybody. So um, I'll tell you this about our podcast. All of mine are five minutes or less. All it is is our video form and an audio form because agents said, hey, I wish I could listen to it driving down the road. So what we were trying to just do is give them the information they were requesting. And so the mine's not fancy. I don't have guests. You know, it's not this fancy intro or outro. It's literally, you know, whatever the issue is, we just try to put it out in an audio form. One reason is that then Google's got the audio form, the video form, and the written form. Right. And then uh, Ariel, Ariel, the merman, you've got a cool, you know, set, you know, you guys do it in a different language. Of course, we do it in Spanish. <laughs> yeah, we got fun insurance solutions. Um, I try to change, you know, the the 
the way of thinking or the state of mind that, you know, insurance is boring and all that. So I know you guys love insurance as much as I do and you're very passionate. So to me, insurance is fun. You know, some people say it's not fun. I say it's fun and sexy. So I, I make it, I make, I have episodes in English as well, um, which I'm going to bring Chris, of course, into my podcast, but it's directed more towards the Hispanic and Latino insurance professionals across the country, Puerto Rico and USVI. Let me just talk about fun and sexy. I have an office manager and I was going through quotes the other day and I sent a video proposal and I had one with a thumbnail that went out to all of our clients with me with no shirt on. <laughs> and I went to my office manager and I said, did you see this? She says, yeah, I saw this. Well, I said, why didn't you tell me? She says, well, your marketing has gotten us to this point. I wasn't going to question it. <laughs> it was a screw up. You know, our VA had accidentally put the wrong thumbnail. And she said, yeah, I just wasn't going to question it. I'm scratching my head, but. <laughs> hey, you know, bringing sexy back, baby. But then uh, the customer reaches back out and says, look, anybody who's willing to send me that video is someone I want to do business with. How do I That's that? awesome. <laughs> that is that is awesome. Um, you know, guys, check out those podcasts, especially, you know, uh, after this one, you're going to really want to because there's so much info on this podcast here. Uh, I can't wait for this one to drop. Um, anything else, you know, let me give both of you a minute or two, 90 seconds, whatever. Anything else you want to, to say, any advice you want to give, any other plugs you want to give, here's your opportunity and we'll sign them off. I would just say if you have friends in Louisiana, if you know other agency members, um, reach out to them. Reach out to them with kindness and empathy. Um, if you're an insurance professional, it doesn't matter you know, who you are, who you work for, whether it's a carrier or something, they need us. This is, this is the same way California needs us for the wildfires and all that. Um, this is the moment for that. And of course, I encourage everyone, get acquainted with Risk Rating 2.0 because it's... Uh, I think, I believe it's going to change for good. So, This is what I'll leave everybody with. Um, I don't feel that any of us are insurance advisors. I think we're all disaster managers. And our goal is to help customers minimize the disaster that they will have one day. Now, it might be a small or large disaster. Every one of us is going to have a disaster. At the end of the day, what we're going to remember is how big of an impact that disaster had on our lives. Awesome. Well said. Appreciate it. Um, you know, one of my favorite things about being the mayor of insurance towns, the people I've met, you know, the citizens I've got, the guests that I've had, whether you've been on here a third time now, second time. Uh, I love both of you for being my brother, for being a citizen. I appreciate both of y'all, what y'all are doing. And the first thing I thought of when we went through this is I got to call these two guys and get them on the show. So uh, thank you guys so much for everything y'all do for our industry. Mr. Mayor, it's always an honor. I love you, brother. I love you too, Chris. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank you so much for checking out this episode today. I really hope that it helped you uh, to be a better insurance professional. I hope the content helped you. If you are interested in sending supplies or being involved to help out with the relief of Hurricane Ida um, or any kind of natural disaster, whether it's a wildfire or anything like that, uh, email me at heath at insurancetownpodcast.com. I'll put out a post or put something on my website of some supplies that are needed. I'll also post the, the references that were mentioned on the show today um, so that you can get a hold of those from Ariel and the Flood Guru. So, guys, this is such an important topic that we need to focus on. And we are a family. We are an industry that, that wraps arms around one another and helps in time of need. If you have any questions, have any ideas, 
Uh, feel free to text me, call me, email me. My phone number is 501-425-3306. Guys, I appreciate you so much. I look forward to hanging out with you again next week.